When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I'm going to make that not a rhetorical question. Actually, give me, let, let's hear it. What, do you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Any, anybody? Or if you haven't grown up yet, what would you like to be? What are, what are some of those things? Anybody want to share? Firefighter? Go, farmer? Hey, hey. Missionary, all right. Carpenter? Anybody have some, anything wild and crazy? Ballerina, all right. There we go. Farmer. There we go. That is wild and crazy. Okay, so um, when, I, when I was little, I would tell people if they asked me that I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, which, as you can see, didn't work out so well. I'm not a ninja, so it just wasn't going to work. Um, so I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, that's what I would tell people, and then at some point, that, the realization came that that ain't going to happen. And um, as, I, as I grew up, I, um, then as, as a little bit older boy, I, I wanted to be a uh, professional athlete, whether that be football or baseball, I think were the two that I kind of uh, bounced back and forth between, which um, then... You know, the statistical likelihood of that is pretty similar to the statistical likelihood of me becoming a Ninja Turtle. Um, and so it just, that wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, genetics were against me a little bit in that. And, uh, and that just wasn't going to happen either. And so uh, here I am before you and uh, working at a church and said, no, I'm, uh, as, I got, as I got older and really actually started thinking seriously about it, uh, this was uh, working in some sort of ministry profession. That's something that I uh, have always seen as something that would be worthwhile and worth, worth doing. And there's a reason that we want to be something when we grow up, right? Because we've seen someone or something that is attractive, so, you know, it's, it's cool to, to beat up the bad guys, right? It's cool to, to fight for those who, are, who can't fight for themselves, who are, who are weak and who are vulnerable. So, yeah, Ninja Turtle, all right. It's cool, to, it's cool to have lots of money and get to be famous and get to play a game for a living. That's pretty cool, right? So, I mean, a football player, a baseball player, that makes sense, right? And for, for many of us, there, there's something that is attractive about uh, what we want to be when we, when we grow up, which is part of why a lot of, a lot of kids, I remember many of my friends saying, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. Well, why do you want to be a teacher? Well, I had a teacher who had a great impact on me. I've known several people who have gone into the field of physical therapy because they were injured a lot in high school. And that set them on a path of spending a lot of time with physical therapists who were able to help them recover and get back, some of them quite literally, on their feet. And that was something that stuck with them and something they wanted to be able to do for someone else. And, and this morning we are talking about growth and growing up into Christ. Uh, we have been... We have been talking about growth as kind of a, a bigger theme since the fall. And so this, this fall we, we started out, we've covered several different topics of areas of growth, and we're going to continue to do so um, in, in this year. And uh, this morning, I'm going to kind of take a step back from that, and instead of looking at specific areas of growth, we're going to look a little bit more generally at this topic of, of growth. Because growth is part of life. One of my favorite movies of all time 
is the movie Tommy Boy. Okay, I love that movie. It's just hilarious. Uh, it's been a while since I've actually watched it, but I could probably still quote it from beginning, beginning to end. But there is a line in the movie from Tommy's dad, Big Tom Callahan. And he says this. He says, you're either growing or you're dying. There ain't no third direction. Okay, that's, that's what he says. You're either growing or you're dying. There ain't no third direction. And that is pretty true. We probably shouldn't take all of our... Um, our life helps from Tommy Boy. <laughs> There's probably a lot to be unlearned from that movie, but that certainly is something that we can, we can take away and look at, well, you, yeah, you either are. You're either growing or you're, or you're dying. Now, in, in the realm of, of plant life, I guess there is a third category we would call dormant. And, um, and in that, I would, I would say that when, we, when we're talking about spiritual growth, like we're going to be talking about this morning, uh, that, that that would probably be the equivalent to what is referred to in Revelation as being lukewarm. Rather than hot or cold, you're lukewarm. And um, if you read it, that doesn't work out so well for the person who's in that. So they probably um, are not in such a great spot if you're dormant. Uh, but, but we're either growing or we're, we're dying. There isn't really a third direction because that third direction is still towards death. And so we have been looking at this, at this growth. And it's because we, if you are a Christian, you are saying that I am a follower of Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. That just like when we want to be something when we grow up, we look at a person often and we say, I want to be like that person. Likewise, we are doing that as, as Christians. As a church, it is our mission to become faithfully committed followers of Jesus. We have kind of some movement steps of know, belong, grow, and serve. We know Jesus. We belong to his people. We grow up in Christ's character and we serve Christ's people, those inside and outside the church. And so growth is part of that. And, and even, in, even in the statement itself of becoming, that we want to become faithfully committed followers of Jesus, that's a growth word. That's a word that points to we're, we're growing into this. We're growing up into this likeness of Jesus into being more faithfully committed followers. And yet growth does not come easy. It's the beginning of the year, right? Many of you have probably made New Year's resolutions, maybe set some goals. Um, some of you probably made a New Year's resolution and have already completely ruined it. Okay, won't ask for any show of hands on that but we're already a week in, so it's a good possibility that going to the gym every day didn't work out already. Um, don't give up. Keep going. But, uh, but that our resolutions sometimes fall by the wayside rather quickly because I think this is a truth we all, we all know, but this is, well, this is what I want to encourage you with this morning, that growth is incremental, it is slow, it's difficult, and it is often unnoticed. Happy New Year. How encouraging, right? Uh, and if you have the note sheet, this is probably a, a good thing to, to jot down on the note sheet. I'm not as uh, organized as, as Chris. I don't have fill in the blanks for you. You'll have to write the whole thing down yourself, so I'm sorry. Uh, but growth is incremental. It is slow, difficult, and often it is completely unnoticed. 
It's one step at a time. You don't just get to start and then arrive. You have to actually travel the distance, which takes time, often lots of it. The path is difficult. Often we grow through hardship. And a lot of time it's unnoticed by ourselves and by others. And yet, the thing that I want to be encouraging about this is that when, as, we, um, as we talk through this growth that we're looking at uh, starting in the fall, and we'll go all the way um, for quite a while still, on this overarching theme of growth, is that as we try to grow, we're going to say, man, it doesn't look like I'm making any progress. It doesn't look like I'm getting anywhere. Seems like two steps, one step forward, two steps backward. It's just slow. No one seems to even notice. I can't even hardly notice any difference. But I want us to be encouraged that growth is happening. That there is growth happening through it. Uh, for me, I, I, I consider my own professional growth. Uh, many of you were here when I, when I started here at the church in 2012. And to you, I just say, I'm sorry. Um, I have grown immensely uh, musically and personally. And those who, especially those who serve alongside me up here, know that probably better than most. Uh, that, that there's been a lot of growth for me. But if you were, so I can look back and say, yeah, I've grown a lot since 2012. But if you would have asked me from one week to another, hey, did you grow this week? I don't know. Hey, did you grow this month? Maybe. Did you grow this year? I hope so. It's not always as obvious and in front of us in the short term. But over the long haul, we can see growth. We see it happening. We notice it more. Because growth is incremental. It is slow takes time. It's difficult. And it is often unnoticed. This morning, I want us to take a look at the, a big chunk of the life of Jesus. The biggest two chunks of the life of Jesus. Uh, and it's ages 1 to 12, and then ages 12 to about 30. We don't get a whole lot from this section of his life. In fact, we get, we get a lot of Jesus' birth, right? We, we just spent a bunch of time at Christmas looking at the birth narrative and all the circumstances surrounding that and how incredible that was. And we get a lot of Jesus' ministry, the years that he spent teaching, healing, making people mad. Uh, we, get, we get a whole lot of those years that he spent in his ministry, but, but in the middle. In the middle, what we get is about three days sandwiched between two summary statements. So I want to read for us the two summary statements, and then uh, later on we'll, we'll get to the story sandwiched in between. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says this, And the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 
there you go. There's ages 1 to 12. There's the, all, all we got right there. Uh, right here. The, the child continued to grow, become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's what we have of ages 1 to 12. After everyone goes home, after the birth, that's what we have. After the um, Passover that we have a story about at age 12, we get this. And it says, he went down with them, with his mom and dad, and came to Nazareth, his hometown. And he was subject unto them, so he submitted to his parents. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And here's the big summary statement of the rest of it. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. There you have it, 12 to about 30. What's going on in all these years? Well, Jesus is growing and developing. Or as uh, Warren Wearsby put in the Bible exposition commentary, what did Jesus do during the hidden years at Nazareth? Dr. Luke reports that the lad developed physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. So Jesus grew in several different ways. But he did so pretty anonymously. He did so without people knowing who he was. They didn't know his, his title as the Son of God or the Messiah. He lived a pretty ordinary life. Just like you and me, only first century and Jewish. So he, he lived a pretty ordinary life, just like everyone else would have at that time. How do we know that? Well, we get a little bit of a glimpse when he goes back home during his ministry. In Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1, it says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him, and how are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It's kind of one of those moments where it's, uh, who do you think you are? You think you're some big shot because you walk around the countryside with these 12 weirdos? Come on, Jesus, we know who you are. You built our dining room table. You didn't even do that great of a job. Actually, he probably did, but that's a whole other whole thing. Uh, but Jesus would have built the furniture in the homes of his, of his peers, of his parents' friends. Jesus, they knew his, his family. He was a normal person. To the, to the point where when Jesus finally reveals, starts revealing who he is, everyone from back home says, yeah, you got them fooled, but you're not fooling us. Okay, yeah, you're, you were a good kid growing up. Okay, you, you were good. I can't really name anything you did wrong, but come on, the son of God, really, Jesus? We know you. You're the son of Mary. The son of, uh, in one of the other gospels it says, the son of the carpenter. Talking about Joseph. Like, we know your mom and dad. We know your brothers and sisters. We know who you are. You're ordinary. You're normal just like every one of us. 
So get off your high horse and build me something, carpenter. And he comes back and receives this very cold, can't even really call it a welcome. And he leaves. Because they didn't see anything out of the ordinary about Jesus. His upbringing was normal. It was typical. Which also means he would have done, dealt with, um, he would have gone through the, the same sort of things that we go through, right? Uh, I am not yet 30. I, am, I will be 29 this month. And, uh, and so as far, I'm getting towards the end of what would have been Jesus' second summary statement there. I'm getting towards the end of that. So I would still qualify for that. I just think through the things that I have experienced in my own life that, um, that Jesus would have also experienced. He would have likely seen friends getting married. Um, his first miracle's done at a wedding. Likely he would have known the people. Otherwise his mom wouldn't have been in charge. Jesus would have had friends and we all, all, everyone who's had a friend knows that there are times where you kind of say to yourself with friends like these, who needs enemies? That friends are often unloyal, unfriendly. Not to mention the people who, are, who have set themselves up against you, that they um, create hardship and heartache. That... Jesus would have dealt with that as well. Jesus would have dealt with loss. The fact that Joseph never shows up in Jesus' ministry, Mary and the brothers show up, and sisters, they get mentioned. But Jesus on the cross delegates the care of his mother to John, which kind of points to the fact that Joseph was gone. Joseph had died. And Jesus, though Joseph was not his real dad, he was really a dad to Jesus. He would have been the one responsible for helping Jesus become a man, teaching him a trade, which apparently he did since they referred to him as a carpenter. Joseph would have passed on that trade and spent significant time mentoring Jesus and helping him grow into the man that he became. And that would have been a difficult loss for Jesus. Jesus would have seen um, many difficult things throughout his life, as well as many great joys and a lot of fun. He would have gone to school. He would have gone to church, just like everybody else. He lived an ordinary life, but that prepared him for his ministry the preparation that he had in the ordinary prepared him to do the extraordinary things that he would go on to do and prepared him for the difficult circumstances he would go on to, to endure. I, I do want to go back and, and read through the part of the story of Jesus when he is 12 because in that we get a glimpse of the fact that Jesus was, when he, he, it says in uh, 252, that he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with man and with God. And in that, we, um, we see that Jesus actually was pursuing growth. And I don't, I don't want to share in this, 
this story. You see, Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, went down to Jerusalem for what would be Jesus' first time going with Mary and Joseph to the Passover feast. They go down to the Passover feast, they celebrate the feast, and then the caravan leaves to go home. Mary and Joseph go along, Jesus does not. And I suspect there's that moment of panic. If, you are, if you're a parent, you've probably experienced that moment where you look at your spouse and say, I thought you had him. <laughs> and Mary and Joseph have this moment where like, I thought he was with you. They've already traveled a day and they turn around and travel a day back. Luke 2.46 says, And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. I'll tell you what, when I was 12, if, they, if I would have left, or if I would have stayed behind when my parents left, I probably would have been up to mischief, not this. That's probably not what I would have been doing at age 12 had I been had I left myself behind at the temple. But Jesus was listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when Mary and Joseph saw him, they were astonished. I think it's significant for us to consider that, he was, that the first thing mentioned is he's listening to them and asking them questions. I think there's something we can learn from that, that probably if you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to, to grow in that area, you, you listen to people and ask them questions. You find people who are smarter than you, or as smart, or are just smart, maybe just smart in different areas, and you listen to them and you ask them questions. My dad and I worked on a project uh, for, for our kids uh, this last week while they were here in town and my dad has a lot more experience working with wood than I do and so for the most part I listened and I asked questions because I wasn't going to screw up their Christmas gift. You find someone who is smarter than you and you listen to them and ask them questions. Maybe that's a Sunday school class. Maybe that is a Wednesday night class. Maybe that's, uh, maybe you could do what I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, because unlike audiobooks, there's conversation that happens there, and so I can listen as someone else is asking questions, and I can hear someone teaching, and, and you can grow in that way by listening and asking questions of people who are very smart. But then he responds, and we, we see the truth of Luke 2.40, where it says that he increased in wisdom from ages 1 to 12. We see the truth in that, that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. That everyone there was like, is that a 12-year-old? Where's he getting all this? They were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And even Mary and Joseph, it's their kid. You think, you know, if I have a bright kid, I'm going to know it, right? Not always, apparently, because Mary and Joseph were as shocked as anybody. Like, what? Which goes to show that true wisdom is humble. That it wasn't that Jesus was always bearing down on his brothers and sisters, really just showing his superior intellect. He was humble. He was a servant. He was kind. And so Jesus 
grew and purposefully grew in, in wisdom. And we, we catch, a, again, a small glimpse of that in his time at, at the temple. Obviously, he grew in stature as well, which, speaking of an ordinary upbringing, I know it's maybe a little awkward to think about, but the fact that our Lord and Savior went through puberty is um, that in and of itself is to realize he has been tested in all ways as we are, and yet he did it without sin. I actually thought about and talking about his growing um, in his was in stature, I actually thought about putting a picture of myself from uh, middle school. I decided I would spare you the awkwardness of it, but let me just tell you, it's awkward. Um, probably my sister will post something on my birthday. I suspect, but uh, but but this reality that Jesus grew in wisdom and he pursued it. He grew in stature and he grew in favor with with God and with man. And this is not the first place where this kind of a statement is made. John is described as growing in these ways. And um, actually, in the book of 1 Samuel, it says, Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both with the Lord and with men. This is a pretty similar statement to the one we have about Jesus. And it seems that Luke was familiar with the story of Samuel and said, You know what? Samuel is the kind of, the kind of person we're looking at here. Samuel grew in the ways that Jesus grew. And so let's, let's map these words onto the story of Jesus. Say Jesus grew in these same sort of same sort of ways. In the book of Proverbs, a book dedicated to, to helping provide you with wisdom and encouraging people towards wisdom, he says, My son, do not forget my instruction, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. That pursuit of wisdom and pursuit of godly character leads to favor with God and man. Leads to a good reputation. It's no no big shock there. Uh, Another verse that that came to mind as I was thinking about someone who, who grew in, in favor with God and with man is, is Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, the, the fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But what does it say? Against such things there is no law. Because when you grow into these sort of things, no one's going to say, oh man, That's not okay. There's no law against being self-controlled. There's no law against kindness. There's no law against patience. Because these are things that are universally admirable. They're things that anyone can look at and say, hey, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be self-controlled. It's a good thing to exercise goodness and faithfulness. These are good things. And when I consider Jesus growing in favor with God and with man, I think we can look at, we can look at these characteristics and say, wow, that's how Jesus would have grown. Because these are things that are admirable to anybody. And he would have grown in these, in these areas just like any of us. I read in 
one thing this week that it said there is a far greater possibility of spiritual beauty and nobility in a young man with matured faculty and widening relationships than in the very little child, restricted as he must be in powers and in surroundings. That the way that Jesus grew is he grew also in opportunity. That Jesus grew up in opportunity to exercise these things. That it wasn't that at, at one point Jesus was, was not patient or not kind or that he had to go from being unkind and mean to, okay, now he grew in that area and now he's kind. But that he, as he grew up, along with that grew an adult-sized kindness rather than a child-sized kindness. And so he grew in all of those ways, in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. But he did it incrementally. Even though in the biblical text it kind of jumps straight forward from one to the next, from being a baby to all of a sudden, boom, he's, he's mature, he's full grown, he's all of these things. His growth was still incremental. His growth was slow. It took years took years and years for him to develop into the person who would then be called out, be baptized by John the Baptist, be eventually crucified and raised again. It was a slow process getting there. It was full of difficulty, and it was often unnoticed by those around him. Jesus' growth was, was ordinary and it was human. I, I want to focus for a quick second here on Jesus' humanity. Because I think the Bible, the New Testament, spends significant time focusing on showing that this Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. That this Jesus is Lord. He is God. And the Bible and specifically the New Testament, spends lots of time and lots of words showing that. But here, in Luke chapter 2, we get his humanity front and center, that Jesus grew just like you, just like me. He grew incrementally, slowly. It was difficult, often unnoticed. You see, the, the omniscient, all-knowing God became human and had to grow in wisdom. The omnipotent, almighty God became human and had to grow in strength and in stature. The giver of grace became human and had to receive that same favor and grace from the God that he was with and was in the beginning, as John tells us. And the giver of grace Two humans became human and received that same favor and grace from his peers and from humans. Jesus was human, just like you and just like me. His growth was human. It was incremental, it was slow, it was difficult, and it was often unnoticed. And so we can 
we can look to Jesus, not only as the, as Hebrews 11 calls it, or excuse me, Hebrews 12 uh, calls it, he's, he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's not only the author of our faith. He's not only the one that gets it started and writes it and says, hey, here's how it goes, but he's the perfecter. He's the one that did it right. And we can look at him as our example. That we don't only have faith in Jesus, but we, in a very human and very real sense, we can have the faith of Jesus. We can have faith that is like his. But there are very few things that are off limits when we, when we consider trying to be like Jesus. Because he was human. There are some things, you know, I can't, I'm not really authorized to forgive people's sins. Like, that's a God thing. Jesus did that. That's not something I can do. So the whole WWJD thing, forgiving sins isn't on that list. Okay, but there's a whole lot of things when we ask what would Jesus do that we should probably try to emulate as humans. We should have compassion. We should show love and grace, forgiveness on an interpersonal level. We should love and be kind to those who are in low position. And so this morning, as we consider this, and as we consider our, our growth, I want for us to, um, to share in, in a prayer that I pray over my kids at night. When I, when I pray for my kids at bedtime, there's one thing that I always try to include in those prayers. And I pray for them that, that they would grow in all the ways that would honor God. It's kind of my, my summary of Luke 2.52. It's a little less clunky than trying to pray it word for word. But that my child would grow in all the ways that honor him. And, and if I am being realistic and actually being a little self-aware, I remember to pray that for myself too. In the midst of our time of prayer, I pray that, that I would also continue to grow in all the ways that would honor God. And so this morning, that's what I want our prayer to be for us. That our growth will be incremental, it'll be slow, it'll be really difficult at times. And often it'll go completely unnoticed by those around you and maybe even yourself. But we don't lose heart, we don't give up, because we know that the God who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And so we, we press on towards that goal and we grow. We grow to be more and more in the likeness of our Savior. Let's pray together.